Hello and welcome to the Cracking Night Show. You know the deal by now. We are the only podcast on the planet covering the two youngest teams in the NHL. That, of course, is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. Joining me, Ian, as ever, is my partner in crime, JP, who is uh, looking, well, I can't actually see him this week, but he is looking slightly smug, I'm guessing, um, <laughs> given the results this week. Uh, but to be fair, JP, you haven't given me that much stick, which uh, shows the bond, the friendship that we have. So thank you for that. That's exactly. I mean, look, honestly, the we'll get into it later, but nothing to be too cocky about just yet with the Knights. I mean, they're turning it around, but they still very well may miss the playoffs. So we'll uh, we'll see how we go here. But yeah, I can't really rub that in your face, man. It's uh, Knights aren't doing so hot either, even though we won those two games. So just just so you know, if it had been the other way around, I totally would have rubbed it in your face the whole the whole week. <laughs> so, okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for uh, for future future contests. There you but, go. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're much nicer than I. Uh, well, look, uh, we have some other guests with us today, which you've probably heard their laughter by now already. Uh, it's a bit of a treat for us because um, I'm joined by two additional hockey heroes. So I want to welcome in those two guests. And for uh, new and long-term listeners, you may well know these guys. They're from a podcast that's called Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Um, so hello, Mike and Marty. How's it going, fellas? Hello, hello. Quite good. How's it going, boys? Quite good. Yeah, it's good. Good. I know it's great to have yourselves here. Thank um, you. It's we've been talking about doing this for a little while. Uh, we managed to get our diaries aligned, uh, and Marty even joined us back from Cuba, so that's uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, so I think before we start to get into everything that is hockey this week, I want to give yourself a little chance to kind of tell the listeners what it is that is your podcast and what's it all about? Ah, well, our podcast is essentially it, I think, and Mike, step in at any time you want here. Um, it was really just an excuse for us to, uh, hang out and talk more hockey. Uh, I, I mean, we, we've been at this for so long now at this point that we, um, it was something that came up a lot. We kept saying, you know, it's, you know, oh, it was a great point. Like we talked about this. Oh, this is great. You know, why don't we do something? And, you know, you get so tired of saying, you know, we should do something until eventually you decide you're going to do something. But in all honesty, at one point, my wife told me like, you should do a podcast. You, you know, you've got to, you got the voice for it and all that kind of stuff. She's a wonderful lady. She likes to keep me happy. And, uh, so I tried a couple of ideas and it didn't work. And then somehow Mike got wind that I was interested in doing a podcast, uh, about hockey and it honestly, Mike's enthusiasm for it is really what drove this thing home. Um, he, he was so eager to start it. Uh, it got my enthusiasm up a lot more <laughs> in my couple attempts of doing a podcast. I realized I can't do this alone. Uh, I was way too boring. Uh, I definitely needed a, a co-host <laughs> to go back and forth with. <laughs> so that, that was kind of my perspective things. I can't speak for Mike though. Oh, I mean, and, and I believe Marty will agree with me, uh, to a certain point, the crux of, uh, our podcast for the two of us really comes from, uh, the 25 years that we've been in our uh, fantasy league uh, with the boys from back home. Um, wow. And I I mean, w- really where it kind of, like I say, where the crux of it all is, is those discussions that you have at those fantasy drafts. Uh, you end up going to the buddy's house and everybody's there. You get the, the beers out and the wobbly pops and you start enjoying <laughs> the evening and having all the discussions dur- during the draft and, and after the draft. Um, and I mean, we just kind of, Kind of wanted to bring that a little bit to a podcast that combined with 
we just wanted to be those that podcast where you know you just kind of like a water cooler moment on a Monday morning. You're like, Hey, what about that game? And what about that move or whatever the case was that weekend? We just kind of wanted to be that type of podcast where, you know, if you start listening to us, you almost just want to, you know, as we're kind of chatting with you, you, you kind of want to get right into the conversation and engage. We've heard it from a few of our, uh, uh, our mates in, in, uh, in the pool itself mm-hmm. that, you know, they'll be listening to the program and they'll want to jump in. And, and that's exactly <laughs> what we're looking for. I mean, we're, you know, we, we, we know what our limitations are right at, at the moment. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we have pretty big aspirations uh, in regards to what we'd like to see in regards to our podcast. But uh, the crux of it is, is if guys or uh, girls, anybody that wants to listen, if they're, uh, if they're engaged and they kind of feel like they're almost want to jump into the conversation, we feel like we've really done our job. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And for me, the episodes I've listened to, the one thing that stands out, you were saying about the whole water cooler thing. That's it. It's it's two mates talking about hockey, and you can feel that, you know, that the fact that the two of you are quite synced, different opinions, which is great because you bounce off each other. But the, um, you know, the connection between you two is clear in it. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, but the, the league though is definitely something that we're going to talk about later because as as a Brit, and for those of you that are listeners on this podcast, you'll know that I'm British, and hopefully even for the new listeners, you may be picked <laughs> up on it a little bit, I'm hoping. <laughs> but the whole fantasy league thing, and what we do, we do like, you know, there's fantasy football, there's a whole host of things in the UK, but, you know, when you sent me the rules for this league and I saw how in-depth this was... <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, this is some serious <laughs> stuff that these guys are doing. So, um, but we will definitely, definitely come to that because I've got a few questions. Uh, and at 25 years as well, fair play for doing it for that length of time. That is, that is seriously impressive. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, sorry to jump in on you there, Ian. I mean, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I speak for Marty as well. Mm-hmm. It, it, the reason why it's 25 years and the reason why we've had such a, a great time doing it, and Marty will attest to it as well, there have been very, very few hiccups along the way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, with the group of guys that we have, I mean, yes, we're, we're basically all friends from high school or kind of linked up that way in some way, shape, or form through one of the guys in the pool. So it's a really kind of a tight-knit group. I mean, I... I speak for myself, anything happened to these guys, you know what I mean? I'd be there for them in whatever way, shape or form that I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really tight knit group. And you know, that combined with the fact that, you know, anytime we've had rule changes and stuff, it's been kind of easy. It's, it's never been something that's been debates. Of course there's debates, but it's never really been something that's been too, uh, too difficult to, to make happen. So, I mean, I'm sure I speak for Marty on, on that and it's been uh, pretty easy with the group of guys that we have mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, I definitely have some some questions on that when we get to it. Um, but the one thing we have to, uh, the elephant in the room that I obviously already alluded to in terms of not wanting to talk about it, but Vegas and Seattle um, played each other twice this week. And we joked on the last podcast that's because the organizers forgot there was 32 teams, not 31. Uh, and then they were like, crap, we've got two <laughs> Vegas-Seattle games. When are we going to squeeze them in? So they both got squeezed in the same week. Um now, JP, uh, we we both watched both games. Uh, what was your thoughts in terms of the uh, the uh, the back to back? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, 
short of the shallower <laughs> element of me liking that we won, that the team won both <laughs> games, yeah. uh, if I was looking at how the games are played, I, you know, the difference, the biggest difference that I'm seeing with the Knights is just that their their decor is mostly healthy now. And so I really think that combined with Logan Thompson, you know, the number three keeper that's in right now, uh, is playing pretty well. The fact that his decor, the decor in front of him is so good is really helping. So I think that's kind of the palpable difference for me, why the Knights Mm -hmm. are kind of turning it on right now. But, um, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think improved offense is necessarily, you know, why they managed to win those games. Eichel's heating up. That certainly helps, but um, he is. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, yeah, we'll get to that, but I'm, I'm certainly not like I have a glimmer of hope, but we'll see. (laughs) Right. Like it's, it's, they're definitely down to the wire and, um, it's nice to see him sort of heating up now, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, good games. I, uh, I think they did a good job. Uh, I feel like they kind of kept Seattle's high danger chances to kind of, you know, to kind of a minimum. And, you know, and I feel for the Kraken as well. It's like you and I have talked about at this point in the season, like guys are playing for jobs, right. And, and, um, and, and knowing that more people are going to get moved in the off season, it would be hard day in and day out to sort of gel as a team and you know the captain's been traded away so Mm. it's kind of like you and i said for for the kraken i think it's more just sort of riding the season out at this point you know and um starting fresh but that's kind of my vibe on the whole thing but certainly not going to rub that in your face man like the knights have had a dreadful season in a lot of ways so (laughs) nothing to get too excited about just yet you know yeah yeah it's just the team that's still in the playoff hunt (laughs) i know by vegas standards it's been pretty dreadful sure Um, sure sure, yeah yeah. they're they're um, they're in there but logan thompson though i mean let's quickly talk about him for a second i i know he has got a a healthy decor in front and it's a pretty strong decor that the vegas gold knights have got when they're all healthy but Mm. he pulled off some pretty impressive saves on his own in those two games. Like I, I think you've, he's a real, ta- he's one of those, like you always get this with goalies. Obviously you get the first round draft pick goalies, you know, that we've seen over the years, but for him, there's something there, you know, I'm not sure that he's going to be knocking on Leonard's door that quickly, but cause I think a, a, you know, a fit and healthy Leonard is always going to be the number one, but knowing that, um, that he's on his ELC at the moment and, He's you know, he's really shown that he can be a backup. You know whether he's going to be a backup next year, maybe a way of saving some cash. But he's you know as I said, he held his own. Um, and to me, I felt like that was the two differences between the teams. You had better goaltending from Thompson, more consistent anyway than uh, Driga played fantastic in the first game. I think his save percentage was nine three one. Not that I looked it up before we started the podcast. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> Grubauer's was a what Grubauer's normal number is this season, which begins with an eight. And it was eight seven five or something like that, mm-hmm. which is pretty standard for him. Yeah. Um, and but it, the, the telltale difference to me between the two sides, JP, and we and I know we've mentioned it a lot of times about Eichel being a game changer, but you had players that they don't need fifty chances; they just need the one, and they, mm-hmm. they'll bury it. And we'll talk about what the off-season means for Seattle later in this episode. But when you're putting all your hopes that Eberle is going to score 30 goals a season, it's probably not going to go that great for you. So uh, quality to me is what prevailed. I didn't think the Kraken played particularly bad. I, I, didn't, I wasn't watching the games thinking, God, we were awful. Um, 
we gave up a shorthanded goal, which is always frustrating. But um, it's it just generally you were the better team, and that's exactly what it looked like. Yeah, I I agree. I if you're watching the game, if you just took in five or 10 minutes of one of those games, you wouldn't have necessarily called what the scores were going to be because no. I felt like Seattle was aggressive. They played with energy. What it boiled down to is they, they just couldn't generate a lot of quality shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where that decor, where that Vegas decor comes in. Um, you know, the, the, the shots that they did get most of the time weren't great. And then the good ones that they did get, obviously Thompson managed to stop most of those. He's definitely making a case for being a number two next year, I'd say, but there's a reason Leonard's still on the bench, right? Like Leonard's he's healthy, but he's been out a while. They're kind of, and Thompson's hot. He's got the hot hand. So that says a lot. The fact that Leonard was sitting on the bench that they felt comfortable rather than rushing Leonard back in. So yeah, Thompson's making a huge case for himself, uh, you know, it's great for future. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really good to see. Um, so, uh, that's enough of putting myself through misery. Let's move on to the <laughs> questions that we have for the guys. And I want to take it right back to what we were talking about a minute ago, and that's to get into Mike and Marty, to get into the league and the, this, this fantasy league that you guys are part of. And, and as I said, I'm going to repeat it for the listeners again, we, you use the term fantasy league, but after seeing the rules, I'm pretty certain that that rule book may actually be longer <laughs> than the actual NHL league rules because it's pretty intense. Um, so for those of you that are UK listeners, I know you're thinking, I know what a fantasy league is here, but I'm going to say, no, you don't, because I didn't before I read, <laughs> I read this manual. I mean, let, let's, let's, I want to hear a little bit about like how did it start? I mean, obviously, I know you've been doing this for a while now, but how did it start and and, and, and who, who's doing better this year between the two of you? <laughs> uh, do, do you want to start, Marty, or do you want, do you want me to go? Or I if For for the nitty-gritty things of the league, and especially how it started, that Mike is the better person to answer that. Mike and I'll, But I'll just say this for a quick second. Mike and my brother uh, really deserve all of the credit for this league um, getting off the oh, ground. Hold on there. And really... <laughs> Well, it, sorry, but you know, from I guess maybe from an outside looking in, um, but Mike, if I'm wrong, absolutely correct me here. But that's how, at least that's how I've always felt. Well, I mean, yes, the both myself and and Joel, Marty's brother, um, uh, we've been best buds for uh, for a long time, and um, I remember being in college, kind of approached me really quickly about uh, a fantasy league, and um, we had started out with six teams. Marty uh, was included in those original six teams. We uh, expanded three years, and that was in 1997. Uh, we expanded three years later, which went from six to eight teams. And uh, it, it wasn't really very complicated to start off, guys. In in all reality, I remember Joel uh, basically, and, and listen, I'll, I'll kind of preface this a little bit. Joel's the type of guy that no, anybody in the league will trust, like honestly, super trustworthy guy. So whenever I say he basically balanced out six teams, uh, with the best players of the day at that point. Um, he kind of leveled that off and they literally put numbers one through six and a hat. And I remember I picked the number four with him over the phone. And that's kind of how the league somewhat started. And uh, in regards in, in regards to the rules, I, I can very well see where anybody outside of our pool would think that it is quite crazy, the constitution that we have. In regards to the rules, the fact that we call it a constitution is pretty impressive. Yeah. On it, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I gotta say, it is. It yeah. is. 
But I mean, it's it, it's just a case where that's that's twenty five years of guys just you know bringing up whatever type of rule changes they think are be- best for the league. Um, we've always tried to keep. Uh, uh, keep the scoring and really keep the league itself as close to the NHL as we possibly can. Just to, we've always wanted it to mimic you running your actual team, and uh, you know, with a, a, a few caveats. Obviously, we cut in half uh, um, for every off season in regards to the number of pro- uh, protected players we keep. But I mean, it's uh, it's been a, a, a work with eight other, well, seven other managers, including myself. Uh, and and we've put the work in for 25 years now, and uh, the reason why we've got rules the way they are, and w- the reason why they're kind of so simple to really take in and, and and very straightforward is we tried to keep it as simple as we possibly could uh, as we moved along. We didn't ever really wanted it to be very uh, complicated in any way, shape, or form. And mm-hmm. although it is quite a, a laundry list of rules, um, <laughs> I think I speak for Marty. They're they're pretty straightforward and kind of. Uh, you know, right, right in your face. There's nothing really kind of uh, too complicated about it. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's certainly. I know Marty kind of gives a lot of credit to Joel and I, and sure, I guess we'll take kind of that that credit to start off the league. But um, I, I will say this: it's uh, it's definitely the other seven managers that make this league what it is today. And uh, you know, we communicate openly with with each other in regards to any kind of uh, you know changes we see fit or that we want to bring up. Um, and we even have rules in regards to bringing up <laughs> new rules. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, we just tried to keep it as kind of straightforward and as linear as we possibly could. And I know that mm-hmm. maybe that doesn't show in the email that I sent you, but uh, just the same, that was the, uh, the goal. Yeah, it's it's great. And, and it is, I do love the fact that you called it the constitution. I just have this, <laughs> you know, this, this vision in my head of all of you with there's like a book version of it and you put your hand on top of it and you recite <laughs> the thing because it feels really, really, but obviously it, like you said, it's something that's grown and morphed over 25 years. Yeah, I don't even has. know what I was doing back in 1997. I wasn't studying hard enough. I know that, but I, whatever. <laughs> But that's neither are we hence the reason we came up with the fantasy league yeah (laughs) so so getting into this year so because you the the bit that i I know that i want to know and i'm sure the listeners are the same is who's doing better like without the two of you who's who's got the one up this year because someone's got it that's mike well stop it if you're if you're Ah. if you're (laughs) don't don't be don't Ah. be shy mike listen listen i won't be shy I am leading the league right now by two games. Now, I will say this, and anybody can check it out on our website. I wish I could give you that big, long address, but I will not even attempt no. it. Um, <laughs> so if you go and check it out, um, I've got a two-game lead, but you will see that Marty uh, and Joel, who are the Apocalypse, are coming on extremely strong this week. Marty has uh, scored over 60 points, and we're still not done the, uh, the week. It'll be finished at the end of uh, this evening's games. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he's coming on strong, and the reason why I even mentioned Marty, Joel as well. I've got one game left against Joel. More importantly, I think for Marty is I have two games against Marty, so left uh, with only four weeks left to go. So, um, 
And that's coming up this week, is it not, Mike? Like you and I are facing off against yeah, each yes. other this week. So this there's a big week yes, coming up. So to just yeah. sort of uh, for your listeners or, or anybody who's listening who doesn't really understand, I'll quickly try to capture what a week means. Uh, you've got Monday to Sunday, you dress uh, your nine forwards, four defenses and two goalies. And whatever points they get in that week are the points for your team. And if you beat the team you're up against, you get a win. So that's where our week looks like next week. So lately, Mike's team has not been scoring as strong as it had been all season. He still leads the league in goals for, meaning he, every week he usually scores the most goals or scores the most points, I should say. But the last two weeks, even though he's going to win this week, um, it's not because he's blowing anybody out of the water. It's because he's facing off against one of the worst teams in the league. Um, so that's more <laughs> indicative hey, of, of what's been happening. You take him where you can get him, though, Mike. <laughs> You got it, bud. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> so. Awesome, awesome. And I, I know because, and I presume Marty it was yourself. I think did the Warrensi trade. Am I right in that? It was that the trade deadline of a. If I yeah, remember right. And yep. I presume that's paying off for you now. <sighs> I, no, that's a no, isn't I, it? it? No, no, it's not a no. It's not a no at all. <laughs> I'm reluctant to say anything because what was it two weeks, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, I I made a comment Mm. saying it, you know, I'm on my way down and that did not happen at all. And I'm worried to say anything positive about my team. Um, I'm, (laughs) I'm not normally very, I'm not normally superstitious or anything, but I'm at the point now where, because there's four weeks left and I got, like Mike just said, we've got two weeks against each other. Um, I, I'm careful to say anything at this point. It's so t- we've we've never the league has never seen uh, a season like this before, though, where there's so no. many teams so close to each other. Um, mm-hmm. Even with Tom losing this week, this, he uh, he has one of the other teams in the other division, uh, and my father as well, who is also in the league. Um, they're not out of it, and and you know Tom's got the same record as us. He's going to lose this week, so he'll drop one more game behind. But anything can happen at any given point. But like I said, we've just never seen anything like this uh, this year before. Everybody drafted really well. Uh, everybody kept their keep had the right keepers to keep, and they've done really well this year. And it's been an exciting year for sure. So, but I, that's why I, you know I could have the best season. The brigade. I'm the only team who's ever won the championship. And I was really looking forward to this year because I really felt this was my best. And it is. This is the best team I've ever had. But I, I'm I'm just going to stop talking. I'm, I guess I'm not going to jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you know what? I, I will speak for Marty and I will say, and I will say this. Uh, he is 100% right. In the 25 years, if not 25 years or starting 26, I can't remember. Either way, the length of time that we've had this pool, we have never, ever had a season like we're having right now. Just to give a quick synopsis to your listeners, we're an eight-team league. We have two teams that are basically rebuilding, and the other six teams are above 500 records. The sixth-place team, the difference in games between the sixth-place team and the first-place team, I believe even after this week, will be four. Four games. So So there's still a chance. There's still a chance basically for everybody. Mathematically, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's uh, yeah. I will. I will be staying in touch, obviously, via the podcast. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if Marty has jinxed himself. Um, now, <laughs> flipping back to the uh, the real NHL um, and the joy of having you two on today isn't just because we've got more people to talk hockey and more chaos. Um, and we've got four, well, three countries on the uh, on the podcast at the same time with myself in the UK. You guys, obviously, both in Canada and JP. In, uh, in Viva Las Vegas. Um, and 
but also we have three teams, uh, and I, class, I include myself in this as well, who are having pretty rubbish seasons. And, and it's not including the Vegas Gold Knights, but Mike, you are a Habs fan. I can see the stuff behind you, and we're going to come to the Habs in a minute. But Marty, for your sins, you are an Edmonton Oilers fan. Uh, and this season has been, I mean, like if, if you don't jinx your team, like as in your league team, somebody definitely jinxed the Oilers because the start that they had and then to say they fell off a cliff edge doesn't quite do justice to, to how far they fell. We're talking like Grand Canyon cliff edge down and then it started to come back a bit. But my question to you, Marty, is, can the Edmonton Oilers season be saved? Now, that's it's a somewhat of a difficult question to answer because it would depend on your perspective of what you would mean by saved. In my mind, uh, with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they're six years in now, six or seven. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of get away with the first three years of their careers. You're trying to figure out, okay, well, what players, you know, complement these two and then you sort of figure it out and then you start getting into the realms of uh, some sort of dynasty because with the talents of Dreisaitl and McDavid that's exactly what you should what we should be talking about the uh, Oilers of the 80s which is when I started to follow the Oilers uh, that's when you had the Gretzky the Messier so that's your top two but lots of other players to talk about but I'm not going to go into that but anyways what I'm getting at is we should already be in whatever dynasty we had. And we're still struggling to do much of anything in the playoffs. Um, So what I'm going to say is save the season. They're not winning the cup. So the season's already lost. And they made some moves like going out and getting Duncan Keith, which, you know, in theory maybe was the right idea, but anyone could have seen that and gone, no, that's not a good idea. Um, Tyson Berry kind of fell off a cliff too, just along with the rest of the team. Uh, and But the biggest issue, of course, is absolutely no goalie. Um, hmm. So that's what's killing them. So to say that the season, the season can be saved, <sighs> listen, the only way the season gets saved in my mind is if they at least make it to the finals. Um, and the only way that's happening is Mike Smith needs to, or uh, Koskinen, need to all of a sudden get it all figured out all at the right time. And, and that's just not that's just not going to happen. So I, I'm at the point now, maybe it's just because of, like you mentioned, the, the roller coaster season that we've had, um, where there were, they came out of the gates, you know, firing really good. Yeah. But then, geez Louise, they got, they got shoved off a cliff and then just fell apart. So it's been, be- and then management being a real issue there, just waiting, sitting on their hands before, you know, and then having a press conference to say, nah, we're not doing anything. The answer's in the locker room. Like it's been very frustrating in that regard just to watch this team crumble from within almost. And then it really affected McDavid. You saw that. Um, there's been some, you know, questions about his leadership and things like that. At least, <laughs> at least I've questioned it anyways. So I, I to save the season, I, I, the season's lost. Because we're not going to be, we're not going to be where we need to be. Because we're in, you know, now you're like four or five years into what should be much better. Like we're a guaranteed top five team. That's where we should be, and we're nowhere near that. We've taken a giant step back this year, as far as I'm concerned. I've got hope for next season, but that's basically where we're at. We're at a season where we're hoping for next season, and um, so yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one. Uh, it's so perplexing too because you talk about starting hot. I mean, Ian and I. 
at the beginning of the season were going on and on about the Oilers. We were just like, wow, these yeah. guys look good. Like we were yes. like, I, there's, there's a quote somewhere where I said, I wouldn't want to face these guys in the first round. Like if the Knights have to face these guys, I hope it's like, well, like deep, deep into the playoffs. Cause like I wouldn't want to draw these guys. And it's so crazy how up and down it's been, right. It's been from that to like abysmal to pretty good again. Like kind of <laughs> like it's, it's so, so manic. <laughs> Yeah, they're definitely in a better place now. But again, I I don't want to. I feel like we've we've seen. It's almost like we've seen this before, right? I I will say that with what Woodcroft has done, the new coach, there seems to be a better consistency with the way they're winning, which is very good. Um, I there's still I still zero faith in their goaltending situation, but he's been going to Koskinen more often than not, which is something I talked about on our show where I said, listen, it's there is no hot hand in nets. You just pick one and you roll with it. And if you lost six to five or six to two, whatever the score is, if you let in six goals, you play him next night. You let him work those things out because you've, you've got nobody else you could really turn to to try and right the ship. And that's what Tippett kept trying to do is kept trying to find the right hand. And then he kept juggling lines. and like It was obvious he didn't know what to do. It was obvious management wasn't going to do anything. And it was obvious it was affecting the team in the dressing room. At least now there seems to be some consistency with the way they're winning. You can at least bank on that. But yeah. this team, the way with what they can dress, Skinner's not going to do anything for them. That's their third string goalie. Um, but you know, experience is always good. But it's it's at least hopeful for next season. Which is uh, it, it's honestly it bothers me to say that we're hopeful for next season because it's not it's not this year. That bothers me a lot to say that. Yeah, I can understand that because I think you said it. Um, you know, the beginning when after I asked the question about the whole dynasty and the fact that you have got the two highest scoring players in the league, you know, which most of the in fact thirty one at least teams, maybe not Toronto, would be killing themselves to have those two players. Um, and and it, it feels I'm mean, like when you said it had been six years, I didn't realize it had been that that long. And I think it's well, I'll say I'm going to ask it because I can, but surely there's a point where the Oilers organization has to just say, look, it was great we drafted these two, and yes, they could be generational talents, but right now, they're not helping us, and right now, their value is sky high, so let's cash, let's get what we can, and let's just accept that this didn't work, and we start again. Ian, you, I, you must be listening to my show because that's exactly what I said. Um, I, I did the sacrilegious thing of mentioning trading Connor McDavid. Um, and the reason I chose him over Dreisaitl is because I felt during their tumultuous time, like in the thick of it, really, McDavid did not come out as a leader. He came out as almost a sour kid like he clearly needs more time to be a seasoned leader whereas dry really knew when and what to say and how to say it he seemed to have more composure and when he when mcdavid first got handed the c i, I felt that was a bit premature at the time but i mean really it you know it's at the, especially at the time and even still are maybe arguably now he's the best player in the world um so you can justify it and you can back back into saying wow best player in the world of course he's gonna get the c but i felt i feel that um if you're gonna go into the realm of let's trade one of these two to get all kinds of assets like they could trade him and get 
probably one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best, and then a couple other things on the side. And bam, there you go. You've solved all your problems. You could figure out other offensive ways to score goals. You still got Dreisaitl. It wouldn't be that bad of a thing, which again, hurts to say. Um, but there's some sense behind it. So yeah, Ian, you're right. Like if yeah. Maybe you do trade one just to, to right the ship. Exactly, yeah. And I think... I mean, we've seen it with Eichel in Vegas. Sometimes just because you're the star player doesn't mean you're the right fit for a captain. And you don't have to be a captain, right? It's In no other sport other than hockey is the captain have to be like the best player on the team. And we see it in the NFL, but we see it in the UK in, in football or soccer, if you're a little west of where I am, <laughs> uh, where the, the, the captain maybe isn't the best player, but he's the best leader in that room, he's the person that I mean. You know, Chicago was talked about how important Brent Seabrook was not on the ice, but how important he was off the ice. And there's this famous quote of him sat there with Jonathan Taves in the playoffs, and he basically man managed Taves through the playoffs when he was going through a slump. And this is that this was wow. the captain, right? And and wow. he, you know, he Brent had a chat with him, and and you know, and his his performances improved from there, and they end up you know winning the cup. And I just I feel like sometimes McDavid's own ability is also his Achilles heel because he is seen to be, well, it doesn't matter how bad the team is, just load it up, put it on his back and he'll carry it through. And I just don't think that's a healthy position for a team to be in, you know? No, there's no balance in that. And you've seen it with all... I, I can't. I, I don't, I'm not sure I can name a hockey team that's ever won the cup on the backs of just one player. Uh, at the end of the day, you do need some sort of balance on your team. Um, whether you divide that yeah. balance within three star players or you know more, hopefully more. Um, but to say that you know McDavid's going to take it all the way to the end, listen, he hasn't done it yet, and it's not going to happen. Like you, you need to have no. some. You need to have something else other than the star player. When Gretzky left Edmonton, he never won a cup after that. And, and he was the best player in L.A. and he was the best player in New York. He wasn't able to do it. And if you're talking about the great one not being able to do it, <laughs> then I'm sorry, McDavid yeah. ain't doing it either. So <laughs> give your head a shake. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and you know, you mentioned about goalie. And uh, again, I can't remember who did the famous quote, but I think it actually might be George McPhee, JP, correct me if I'm wrong, but who said that you don't start building a team in by the center you start it in goal, and then you go to the center position. You yeah, know, and the McPhee. goalie is that it was McPhee, wasn't it? Yeah, and the goalie mm-hmm. is that important. Uh, and I kind of feel like, you know, like you said, Edmonton could, 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 could do that. I mean, they would argue well, we can do it through free agency. But you know, if I want to be the cynics that here playing devil's advocate, they've had six years to do that, and they haven't managed it yet. So, and you've seen goalies like Talbot who have come, failed, and then gone somewhere else, and and. And, and been relatively successful, you know. So it's a, it's a tough one. Um, f- flipping now from from one team who has its struggles, who is trying to work out what direction they're going to take, to uh, another team in Canada, which is obviously Mike's team in the Habs, who who was definitely built goalie first <laughs> in the past. That's hundred <laughs> percent certain. Um, and there's been a whole host of changes there, Mike. I mean, you've changed. The, the backroom staff have gone. There's, you know, we've, we've seen a whole host of changes um, driven by a season which comes on the back of something which was, you know, was just such a great year last year that Habs fans needed that kind of year to, to rejuvenate themselves after a couple of tough years before that. Um, and then this season was like a slap in the face. 
Um, but as I said, they've made the changes. So, so my question to you is, do you, do you feel like you know the direction that Montreal are going? And, you know, are you on board with, with that direction? Um, I certainly firmly do know exactly what, what, uh, direction they're taking. Obviously, uh, I mean, they're, they're going with a rebuild now to the mm. level of what they're going to go to. We've spoken about it on our program. Are they, are they going to go what they call scorched earth and basically get rid of almost everything and kind of build it back up from there? Are they going to kind of keep somewhat of a level of, uh, you know, I'll say, uh, uh wily veterans or, you know, good, good foot soldiers to have around during what's going to be a more difficult time. Um, I am absolutely pleased with the way that they're going. It's another subject that Marty and I have talked about on our program. Um, going with the youth, uh, I was super happy with the uh, returns on uh, trade deadline day. Um, in regards to the front office that you, uh, you alluded to, I am absolutely thrilled with the Gordon and Hughes combo. Um, I won't go too much into detail. Marty and I have uh, talked about it as well, where we're not sure if it really is, is it more Gorton. That's the actual GM and Hughes is more there for the French speaking aspect of things. Or, I mean, me, me personally, I do believe that Gorton to a certain extent is the one kind of somewhat calling some shots, uh, at least a little bit anyway, with the idea that I do believe Hughes is going to take this on uh, full bore if he's not close already. Uh, yeah. in, in regards to uh, the GM's position itself, um, bringing in Marty St. Louis and just, I mean, I, the way I, to- I, the way I spoke about it to Marty was things were just so toxic there for a little bit. Like it was just, you know, I mean, it, it's a massive hockey market down there. Uh, you know, the, the, any media is all over that team. And it was just very, very toxic for a little bit. Bringing in St. Louis, kind of a, a breathing a breath of fresh air into the organization um, I love the way that he plays young players and he lets them make the mistakes. I mean, I, I can't remember the actual game itself, but I know that it was one of Jordan Harris's first games. Uh, NCAA product uh, comes up after his NCAA season is over and they play him the other night. Guy makes, makes a mistake and it leads to, uh, I think it was a shorthanded goal. Either way, it was a goal uh, against the Habs and they put him right back out there for the next shift and you know, that's that's what I'm looking for as a Habs fan is allowing these kids to make the mistakes. I mean, you know, there's we're, we're not winning any kind of a playoff position or any kind of trophy or any kind that this year. So, I mean, it, it's all about youth and it's all about uh, give, giving them the experience that they need going forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And that's that was the one thing, you know, we talked about it on our trade deadline episode and knowing that the Kraken was going to clear house a little bit that was one thing that I said to JP is I, I want to see them give the young guys minutes don't play them on the fourth line giving them you know five six minutes a night play them on the second the third whatever whatever you need to do and you know, roll all four lines equally because it's not about winning games anymore it's now about giving them opportunities to be in positions and circumstances and scenarios that they won't get and they, and they haven't had in any other part of their career because that's the only way you can really know what you've got in these guys. And I guess now for the Habs, that's what they need to do is they need to work out of their prospect pool, you know, who is the stars of tomorrow? Who are the guys that they think he's going to make it? He's going to make it. He's not, you know, and I guess you're starting to see that. I mean, is there anybody this year that you've kind of seen come through the ranks? So from prospect to now NHL star, do you think that guy's got something other than the obvious ones in terms of Suzuki and Caulfield? 
Well, I mean, and you just alluded to both of those uh, star players. I mean, that's definitely who they're they're going to be building around. The, the, for me personally, and I mean, you know, Marty and I talk about it a lot. We're kind of deep dive, and I mean, I'm sure both you and JP are as well. I mean, we're, we're such hockey fans that we do more of those deeper dives. So, I mean, some of the guys I'm mentioning, maybe some of your listeners won't uh, know about, but uh, especially on the uh, on the defensive end, I mean, you've got uh, Schooneman who's been playing uh, of late. Um, you've got, uh, Jordan Harris, who, like I just alluded to, came up from the NCAA ranks in the States and, uh, they got Justin Barron in the, mm-hmm. uh, in that, uh, Colorado trade who, by the way, and I told this to Marty on our show as well, uh, our deadline show, uh, I was absolutely thrilled when I saw his name in that trade. I mean, I, I it's not somebody I knew a, a lot about, but I knew that there was a good pedigree with this player, first round pick 25th overall. And mm-hmm. it's just that type of that, that type of move that Montreal needed to make. I mean, I'm sorry, Arturi Lekkinen is a, a great serviceable player, and he's going to do extremely well for the Avalanche. But his value was never, ever in his career going to be higher than what it was, ever. So you have to move on that, and they get a great defenseman out of it. And like I say, the, the, the defensive side of their prospect pool is looking pretty nice with those uh, guys that I just mentioned. And those are guys that are kind of playing in the league right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, he's probably not the most uh, uh, favorite pick, but uh, Logan Mayu, that's the young gentleman yes. that was yeah. kind of put under yeah. a little bit of a light. Now, listen, I, I'm I'm speaking uh, about him, his hockey skills. I'm not talking about the other stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean they're working through they're working through that, and he's got a lot of work to do. But at the end of the day, he's having a good season in London, and I mean it, it is another player that is in that prospect pool. Now, moving away from Maybe that spotlight. You got Caden um, Gooley and Jordan Strubel as well on the defensive side. So I won't go too deep into this here, boys. But uh, in regards to the defensive side of the prospect pool, Montreal's looking pretty good. Talking about defense, I'm curious because what we saw from um, from the Habs <clears throat> during the playoff run last year, at least to my eye, was a was more of a like stingy sort of defense first style. It's opportunistic, right? Like you, you score when you get a chance, but it's mm-hmm. all about like rock solid, ironclad defense, defense, defense. You frustrate the other team, and it worked really well. So, do you think? Do you see the Habs restructuring or changing their style, or do you think they're still building? to play that kind of style or was that a style they were playing just based on where they were in the playoffs? Like, was that a shift um, the coach made or, or do you think the the philosophy there is still going to kind of be the same sort of a defense first sort of style? You know what, JP, that's a really great question. And in regards to the way the team was built uh, for that, that run that they had in last year's playoffs, um, you could kind of see where Bergevin was going with that a little bit. I mean, for me personally, it all started with Shea Weber and Carey Price. So you're, to me, right off the hop, like you're, you're kind of built in, in in a defensive mindset. You're not really going to be a running gun. You're not going to be a Colorado, uh, even to a certain extent, a Vegas team, a kind of a running gun team, right? Um, so I, for me, I, I, you know, as a fan, I loved the fact that it was a big, heavy defensive core. Uh, Marty and I talked about this at the beginning of the year as well in regards to this year's version of the Calgary Flames. And we see a lot of similarities in the Calgary Flames top six uh, as Montreal's top six Mm -hmm. in last year's playoffs, where it's just a big, it's kind of a heavy 
defense. Uh, you know, these guys are going to start, are going to push you around. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's not going to be a fun place to be in front of the net, uh, and in Calgary this year. And it certainly wasn't, uh, in front of Carey Price last year either. Mm-hmm. Uh, now to answer the question, are they building more along those lines? Uh, another great question. And my answer uh, quickly would be no, they're actually going a little bit to me. It seems like in a little bit of a different direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Kent Hughes alluded to it whenever he had his, uh, you know, his first press conference when he took the job and he wanted a fast team. You can see that it's a little bit more of a, uh, you know, I, I don't want to take away a- any physicality because there are a couple of guys, Struble what comes to mind and, and Caden Gooley comes to mind as well, uh, that these guys can throw their weight around a little bit. Um, but he definitely is going to want a much more mobile defense uh, than Montreal had in last year's uh, playoffs. That That's for sure. So I certainly, again, like I say, I don't want to take too much away from the physicality. I don't think it, it's necessarily going to be built as physical as Montreal was in last year's playoffs. But I do think, uh, you know, th- there's going to be a lot of mobility on 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 that blue line if, if Hughes kind of gets his way and and gets the players that he's looking for yeah um and and then to quickly touching on the trade deadline I mean from an outsider's perspective and my um I would say yeah it's well he's definitely a good friend at the moment but he's a He's going to become my uh, brother-in-law in the not-too-distant future. Um, and uh, he, he did listen to the podcast, and his complaint was there wasn't enough Habs on it, which I did tell him it's because we do the Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. Um, <laughs> it's fine. So he'll be happy on this episode because we're talking about the Habs. But you know, I said to him, and I'll, I'll say same to you, Mike, and that's you guys nailed the trade deadline. Like I was hoping yeah, that we would get a I first so. for Geo. You know, the Ben Chirot trade was fantastic. You got exactly what you needed for him. I thought it was good value. It was great return. Um, and then there was the the trade, the, the Lekkonen trade you were talking about. Again, like you're saying that, like, I, in my opinion, and it's, you know, I, I haven't seen Lekkonen play live a lot other than when he played the Kraken, but it's, like, I felt like they paid a lot to get him. Now, yes, Baron is prospect not actual so there is a risk that if he doesn't pan out then maybe they didn't overpay but you know Colorado have got a pretty good track record of bringing through quality defensemen you know in terms of their prospect pool so presuming their scouts didn't completely crap the bed on the day when they picked him like he's got a good chance of being at least a like a top like a you know a top four or maybe you know defenseman it depends why maybe he could be higher but worst case for you it's kind of top 4d so um yeah i I felt that you like you said you did exactly what you needed to do you you took the returns and they were they were good and of all the teams you know there wasn't many teams that got first round picks and in in this trade deadline there were a lot of people held on to them and uh you know i thought thought montreal did well to get what they got so yeah fair play to the front office because uh because it needed to be done. Well, we needed we needed some good we needed some good news because man, with the season that we've been having, I tell you, <laughs> it was it, it was nice to get a little bit of a, an uptick in uh, in in positivity in that organization for yeah. sure. See if if Vegas don't make the podcast, the four of us can come back on. It can just be the miserable bastards podcast between the four of us <laughs> because all four would have just had dire seasons. If we could say about how much we hate hockey and just how yeah. dreadful life is, so sports yeah. is suffering. I always say that, man. If you're going to be a That's diehard true. sports fan yep. of any team, uh, get ready to suffer. Even if you 
have lived through a decade of dynasty with a bunch of championships. It's never enough. It, it's never it's it's never no. enough, and it's not going to last forever, right? So exactly. Yeah, I remember someone saying that to about um, the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Because obviously, you know, the, the tenure that I was following them, we won three cups. And yes. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying that's, that's what happened. Yeah. But even saying that, the playoffs after the one you won, so in 2016, you were still sat there going, God, this is this team's awful. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the second that you've celebrated that cup yep. and the next season starts, you forget all about it, right? You want to win again and again and again Absolutely. and again. So, yeah, JP, as you said, it's uh, if you're going to follow a sports team, prepare for pain. Right, so we're going to flick across to Las Vegas just for a second. We mentioned we were going to talk about it at the beginning, and that's just to ask your opinion, JP. So not flicking back to the games, but one of the things that I've noticed recently is is Vegas have improved, albeit maybe only slightly, but they have improved, and the record has improved, which is the only thing that matters. Whether the on-ice has improved or not is uh, up for debate. But my question to you, JP, is, there was a lot of talk a couple of weeks ago about Vegas not making the playoffs and we've talked about whether they should or shouldn't. But putting all that to one side, do you think now that the playoff chance is back on the cards? Yeah, I, I do think there's a chance. Uh, you know, if we're talking strictly statistics, it changes a little bit every every game, obviously. And, and as the standing shift, I think right now they've got, statistically speaking, historically speaking, however they work these algorithms, something like a, it's less than 50%. It's like 48% chance of making the playoffs or something. So it's basically a 50, 50. Um, mm-hmm. I am conflicted because I have said in the past, I've been very vocal about, I think it's probably going to be the best thing for them to actually miss the playoffs. I think they need a long off season to, to heal up and, and sort of regroup, but you know, they're going to go for it. Obviously oh, every team's going to go for it. And I, I think because their schedule is a, is a little bit weaker. It's like the weakest part of the season kind of in terms of the team, the competition that they're playing and the travel mm-hmm. and all that. I think that combined with the fact that the decor is back, that Logan Thompson's hot and that Jack Eichel is scoring more points all the time, even with the injuries, I still think there's a chance they squeeze in now, whether what's going to happen once they get into the playoffs is a whole different story because that you know, if they squeeze in in the wild card or third, they're probably facing a juggernaut in the first round. And if they don't have the whole team healthy, or at least Stone, or at le- or Stone and Pacioretty, like if those guys aren't back in, then it's a first round exit probably. So it's all it's all well and good. You know, kind of like Marty was saying earlier, it's it's all well and good to be like, oh, they might make the playoffs. You have to make the playoffs, but then what happens after that, right? So if if um you know, there's an outside chance if everybody kind of gets healthy just as they roll into the playoffs, maybe they got a shot. I mean, the, the, hmm. the roster is stacked enough to be a contender, but that's a whole lot of ifs. So, you know, I think the trade deadline strategy was right. Stan Pat, <laughs> wait yeah. and see. I think that that was smart probably to just kind of hold tight and, and see what happens and just know that like you're not going to rescue things with one move. So... Um, so yeah, that's a longer answer, but this, the simple answer is, I think there's a chance they squeeze in and, um, and they're clearly going for it. They also have, you know, that desperation now working for them, which has been missing for a lot of the season. They, they know, they know the score. They need to win 
pro- out of the 12 games left, they probably need to win eight of them at least. And I would say the Oilers and the Kings, you know, or maybe a couple of these wildcard teams also have to lose a few. So if all that lines up, uh, the, yeah, there's, they got a shot to squeeze in, but my goodness, it could very well be like Colorado in round one or something. <laughs> yeah, which would be tough. <laughs> Seriously, Colorado in round one, as banged oh, up as this man. team is, forget it. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's kind of my my take on where things are at. Yeah, exactly. You know, the worst thing is is to to make the playoffs and go. And I know it happens to you know it has to happen to, in every game. It has to happen to one team of the two that go into the first round. But to get in and then go out in the first round, you just sat there watching the draft lottery. You know, a couple of weeks later, thinking. You know, all that for for nothing, you know. But it, you got to be in it to win it. So, um, the yeah. one thing that I wanted to do last, um, we've got time to do it. So between all four of us, um, and I'm going to go round one by one, so we can each do this. Uh, and this is taking on the back of what Mike and Marty do in their league. So I wanted all of us to put the constitution to one side <laughs> for just a minute <laughs> and imagine that you are the GM of your team. So Marty's the GM of the Oilers, Mike's the GM of Habs, JP's the GM of Vegas. You know how this works. Um, and we'll start with Marty. Uh, and the question is, if you were the GM of your team, what would you do this offseason? Well, I don't think anything's more glaring in Edmonton than, uh, well, it, I'll, I'll say two things, really. Uh, find a goalie and get rid of Smith. Um, you can't have Mike Smith. The two-year contract was a big mistake, and you can't have him eating up time just because he's owed another year. Buy him out, or luck, if you're lucky, you trade him for something. Uh, even a 10th round pick, I'd be happy with. Just get him off your team. Um, start bringing, if, if it means you have to bring up an even younger goalie, um, you know what, so be it. But I think the best course of action is to be aggressive with Braden Holpe. Uh, and I, I'm specifically identifying him. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. He's shown that he still has some pop left in his game. But what I really like, because I, I really went in depth uh, a while ago on, on his stats. And, and what I noticed was his best seasons came when Washington were at their most offensive. When they had a, a coach that was, uh, ironically, they won the cup with Barry Trotz, though, which everybody knows Trotz's defense first. Um, mm-hmm. And he, Braden Holby, just kind of turned his game around in the playoffs, which was great because I think in the playoffs, he turned it around to a something along the lines of like a 916 save percentage and a two, like around a 230 goals against. Whereas during the season, uh, he was closer to like a 900 save and a three goals against. So he, he, Braden Holby made a decision, it seems like almost like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to start playing better and, and actually earn this. And they won a cup. But outside of that, he, like I said, he he benefits from. Remember Roberto Luongo, how great he was in Florida, and the year he got traded or before he got traded to go to Vancouver, he set a record for saves in a season. He had faced the most shots of any other goalie in the league, and he set a record for saves. And then he goes over to Vancouver, and I'm not going to say he shit the bed, but he he didn't play up to what he had been playing up to that point. So he looked like a different goalie. That's because he got into a different environment. He wasn't surrounded by what made him most comfortable, which was honestly, give me as many shots as you can get. Holby, I'm not suggesting that that's where he lives, but he clearly plays better in front of an offensive first team. 
So Edmonton, if that's what you're going to roll with, which makes sense, you've got the two best offensive players in the league uh, or in the world, um, then you go out and you get a goalie who can maybe suffer a little bit from the defensive side, take on a couple more pucks, and actually become a better goalie as a result. He's still young. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, he's 32 31 32 something like that hope he's right around there yeah yeah yep. so there's you still got plenty of serviceable serviceable years out of a goalie like that so and he's got you know he's won the cup like i mentioned so he makes the most sense to me uh and he has something to prove right like a lot of teams have kind of given up on him so he's got a chip on his shoulder you can probably get him for a little bit less than you could if you were trying to go out and make a trade or something like this seems like the perfect fit to me and i would actually really be happy if i saw something like that because we've got some good young d coming up as well uh I I would like to see one at least one of our defensemen come up through the system and start getting some playing time. Tyson Berry needs to decide to do something, and you put Keith down in the th- at the bottom and just wait it out for him. If you can trade him too, then you do that as well. But they'll need at least I think they'll they got room for two more defensemen next year to sign. So you you got to kind of look at that. But first and foremost is you got to figure out the goalie situation. You can't we can't have another year like this with our goalie situation. That I would probably, yeah. I don't know if I would jump ship, but uh, if we go into next season with the same defensive core, um, I would suggest people maybe not listen to our podcast, which sounds ridiculous, but there's going to be a lot of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> see, what I actually have, um, let me see if I can get it to work here. This is for, we normally have to use that nice. quite a bit depending on what we're talking about so um so yeah so i'll, I'll have to work out and i'll, I'll send it send it across to you and you can you can use that yeah. if the orders yeah. it'll basically just be that the whole way through for an hour though <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i mean you're, you're right i mean when like mike smith obviously had a good year last year um but yeah it was almost like nobody around the room went yeah but look at the year before and mike smith had good years but it was almost like this if, if it feels too good to be true, it's because it is. And this whole kind of hope that he was going to just recreate this like magic was just never going to happen. And, 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 and Koskinen, when he got his deal, I remember sat there sitting there when it was announced thinking, well, firstly, I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then secondly, I looked <laughs> at the numbers and I was like, okay, well, like, does he have something on the GM? Because it's, yeah. it's a really, really good contract for a guy who doesn't seemingly have earned it at all. Um, so, yeah, that right totally place, right sense. time for Costin and really, and same thing for Mike Smith. And I, honestly, I, I've been poo-pooing a lot on uh, Ken Holland because uh, you know with the fact that he sat in his hand during the season. But I, I wholeheartedly believe that during the off season last year, I do believe he went and tried to get a couple of goalies um, for Edmonton and just was maybe a little too strong uh, with his beliefs that, no, we're not going to overpay and we're not going to give up some assets. I'll find the right goalie and then just ran out of options and then decided, you know what, I'll give Mike Smith. And then Mike Smith, you know, good on him, said, I'm not doing the one year. You're going to give me two years, more money, and that's the only way it's going to happen. He backed Edmonton into a corner, and I think that's how all that transpired. I think Mike Smith knew himself too. Like, I got a bank on this year that I had that no one saw coming. So good for him. Uh, you know, it, it happens and, and I don't blame him for doing it, but I do blame Ken Holland throughout this season for not going out and trying harder and thinking that holding on to the number one pick was the right move. That was the wrong move. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and if you if you want a goalie, you can uh, have either of the Krakens. It's, I'm quite happy to see either of them go. So. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, so 
moving moving along, uh, Mike, same question to yourself and to, to Montreal. If you were the GM, uh, what would you be doing this offseason? Well, listen, guys, it, it, it'll be kind of uh, full here, but I'll, I'll get through this as quickly as I can. Um, there's, there's a number of things that I'd like to see the team take care of over the next year, year and a half. Uh, the first thing for me is you got to figure out what's going on with Carey Price. And what I mean by that is, listen, Carey, do you want to stay through this rebuild or do you want to move on to greener pastures and try and win a cup? Um, I have no problem with him wanting to move on to win a cup. He's deserved that. He's played so well for our organization that really whatever direction he wants to take this, um, we will we will go in that in that direction. Um, ha- having said that, I, I obviously know that there will be a frank discussion between uh, the management team and Kerry himself, and the team is obviously going to let him know where where they're at as well. And listen, no team where Montreal's at right now and where they want to be wants to hold a $10 million contract or $10.5 million contract in the crease. So, I mean, we all know where Montreal would like to be, but I mean, the player has somewhat earned the right here to kind of have somewhat a, of a saying what's going to go on here. Although I think he will be, you know, spoken to in regards to, listen, we're going through a, compute, a complete rebuild here. So, I mean, if you want to, if you're going to stick around, we're not going to be, doing much damage here. So I have to think between the player and the team that uh, it's probably time for Carey Price to move on and uh, how difficult that contract will be to move. It's obviously not going to be easy, but, um, you know, more difficult things have happened in the NHL in regards to moving contracts. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, The next thing for me is if you can get somebody to take that Shea Weber contract, uh, I'm looking at you, Arizona. I'm potentially looking at you as well, Vegas. Uh, you can throw Dadden off in a deal if you like. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to keep him anyway. So, um, so, so I mean, you, you try and try and shuffle a lot off if you can. I mean, it's not exactly like it's hurting Montreal in any way, shape, or form. I mean, other than the actual, I believe, cash money that you're actually having to pay the player. Um, so, I mean, hey, maybe maybe a team that's at the floor, like I say, maybe a team that's in some sort of salary cap buying maybe you know comes looking and maybe there's a fit in in that regard some way some some form um moving on the next two contracts i'd be looking at are jeff petrie and brendan gallagher uh petrie i'm pretty sure is going to be somewhat of an easier piece to move in regards to uh you know everybody's looking for a defenseman at the trade deadline um not everybody's looking for a a defenseman that's making 6.5 million (laughs) but but that contract will end i believe at the end of next season if i'm not mistaken uh so maybe maybe somebody you know listen he's a better defenseman in the way he's played this year that's that's a foregone conclusion he he's looked like crap when the team looked like crap and uh you know he's kind of his play's gotten a little better of late but maybe somebody takes a gamble on him at the deadline you maybe not are going to get the return you want but uh give it a try anyway uh and kind of the last thing here uh guys that i have to say is you definitely want to look at the ncaa route to acquire players Um, I'm not saying there's going to be anything that you actually want there or there's something that you're dying to have. Uh, But the reason I'm mentioning that is you don't have to give up an asset to get an asset. So you're able to pick up some sort of a player, bring them into your system. And listen, if it works out and you end up getting yourself a fourth or a third liner, beautiful. You didn't have to pay anything, any money, any asset from your organization to get it done. So that's definitely a route I'd be looking at as well. And the most important thing for this team, uh, and this kind of goes for uh, the Kraken as well, Ian, uh, you know, it's all about drafting and developing your own players because 
sooner or later down the line, if you're trading for players, if you're making all these free agent acquisitions, uh, <clears throat> Vegas. <clears throat> so I'm I'm sitting there and looking at you like, eventually, eventually, if you're not drafting and developing your own players, you're you're not going to have that pipeline that's coming up behind uh, that current roster. So mm-hmm. I mean. Absolutely. Montreal has definitely, and and I and I mention this because, as we all know, Montreal has definitely not been the greatest of destinations to draft and develop these players. I mean, look at Yasperi Kotkaniemi. Um, you know, good on the guy for getting an eight-year contract, a little over four million. I still don't understand how they saw anyway. Whatever on that. Um, but having said all of that, Montreal has not been a great destination to do that. And uh, listen. I, I do a podcast. I'm not the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, so I don't know how they're going to go about doing that and what they're doing in the background to make that happen. But they that organization uh, definitely has to get better at that because you're, you're you're always chasing your tail if if you, you can, you're not able to do that. So uh, for me, at this particular moment in time, that's definitely you know out of everything I mentioned, draft and develop, man. They have to do it, and they have to do it right. It's, yeah, that's such a good point. And uh, and you're right. I mean, in my my actual job, and I'm not podcasting uh, as I lead a sales team. Uh, I won't obviously mention the company or what it is, but it's that exact pipeline is the same thing. And I know it's it's different. We're talking about players, not products, but it's the same. It can get very easy when you've got three or four deals on the go to get kind of white line fever, where all you can do is you can see those three deals, and that's all you're focused on. A bit like teams get with a cup, and you forget to prospect the beginning of your sales cycle right and it's the same with this and and there is a point because me and jp have talked about it where you look behind you and you realize that the cupboard's completely empty and then you can't make those trades that you were making before because you've got no assets to make you know people were talking about the eichel trade just because i wanted to use a picture of uh, the guy from home alone which is obviously to be used every time you used any Jack Eichel comment because you know the guy looks identical to him. So if he doesn't dress up like him for Halloween, like Honestly, he is, he is missing out on exactly like, because I would if I look like that. Um, but fortunately I don't. Um, but the, so, you know, they will say, well, why didn't the Kraken go for Eichel? And you're like, because we don't have the assets. Like We didn't have the assets. And you're never going to trade your first round picks. But now... Vegas are in that exact same position. You know, they do, they don't have the assets to keep making those kind of trades. So you're completely right in what you said, Mike. And I think it's a it's a great way to look at it that that's that's what needs to be done. Um now I want JP, I want to save you to last only because there's a couple of things that Mike said that I think are the same for the Kraken. Um and for me, the Kraken is about drafting. It, it's what it, it's it's got to be about that because that's why we loaded up on picks. That's why obviously Montreal loaded up on picks as well. And it's you got to kind of forget the first two rounds because they're obviously really important. But the first round is a lottery. And therefore, if you're lucky enough, and if we're lucky enough to get the first overall pick, or if Montreal do, you kind of know who you're going to pick one to five. The key is drafting deep. So making sure that your third round picks, your fourth round picks, your fifth round picks all end up being NHLers. They don't have to be, excuse me, they don't have to be first liners. They don't have to be second liners. But they have to be something. Otherwise, you've wasted that pick. And as you said, Mike, you might as well just be going for the undrafted players and signing them because that's essentially what you're doing anyway. Um, so for me, when the Kraken first got their kind of back office together, they kept talking about how much weight they were putting in their their, their scouts. And, and obviously, we lost 
uh, one of them to to to, uh, to Vancouver, which was a bit annoying. But she did go off to be an assistant GM, so I can I can understand that. Or was it GM? Can't remember one of the two. Um, but it's now about making seeing what these guys have been doing for the past you know 12, 18 months, right? Because they they've known for a while they're not going to make the playoffs, which means they've known for a while that these picks are going to be important. And the other thing. And there's only two bits here in terms of the Kraken for me is sticking to the plan. I keep joking about the hashtag, I trust in Ron, but it's it, it's, it's true because there's no point. You can't change direction just because you have a crap season. And I kind of feel like, and I know that some of the Seattle Kraken fan base completely disagree with me with this, but I really feel like Ron Francis didn't expect this team to be very good. I kind of feel like he kind of knew when he looked at expansion draft, that this wasn't going to be saved by a Tarasenko, and that's why he didn't take him. Now, I could be wrong. Ron is still, he's still not answering my calls, like he's still not telling me what he was doing. But I, I kind of assume that at least now he knows that it's not great. <clears throat> and therefore, he's thinking, so my plan was to do to build this way. And, I want, and, and also, Ron Francis has got a great track record. The Carolina Hurricanes are the team they are today because of the picks that he, he made or his organization made when he was in charge. So for me, the Kraken, it's about two things. It's about drafting well, and it's about sticking to the plan. And when I say sticking to the plan, I mean free agency as well. If there's, a, you know, if there's an A-star guy on free agency, don't overpay him just to get him for some jersey sales. Like, it's not worth it. Just... You know, if we're going to be bad next year, you might as well be really bad. And I know the fan base don't want to hear that because we are apparently the most expensive tickets as well, which is a surprise because I would have thought that was Vegas. But apparently the most expensive tickets on the market is indeed the Seattle Kraken. Um, And there is going to be this disconnect at some point where people go, we're paying the highest price and we're seeing the worst team. But fine, the the music hopefully makes up for it. But you've just (laughs) got to stick, you've got to stick to that plan, right? You've got to, you've got to, Work out what you are. Like we were saying about Montreal and the other teams, like are you going to be a shoot first team? It doesn't feel like that. It feels like the Kraken was set up to be a tough to beat team. If that's the case, keep getting players in that fit that mold. Maybe it's a Jan Mark because he becomes a UFA at the end of the year, like that kind of thing. So so for me, that's the Kraken. Like draft and stick to the plan. Uh, and then the easiest person who gets the, the easiest answer out of, of all four of us, obviously, is JP because... You know, just uh, <laughs> yours is uh, keep going for that cup. But what would you, Jay, do you do, JP, if you were the uh, GM this off season? Yeah, obviously they just need to get cap compliant, right? Like that's that's going to be job one <laughs> yeah. because the yeah. roster is like arguably the largest roster in the entire NHL with all these guys on LTIR and stuff. So they're obviously going to have to get cap compliant. But yeah, in terms of the way the team's built it's sort of been that way for all of this season, including the trade deadline. Really it's preserve as much of the roster as you can while getting cap compliant. I don't know personally that there's any big move. I don't think that that they're lacking the right pieces um, unless there's an argument to be made for this health stuff. And some, you know, some people think that it's just bad luck. Some people think that they're a little bit old, but, uh, you know, uh, a lot of it is bad luck. I mean, you know, Martinez getting a skate to the face, you can't really pin that on any sort of underlying thing. So there are some sort of freak accidents that have happened. But yeah, the job one is get cap compliant while preserving as much of the core as you can. I mean, I, I'm sure there will be new players added. I think there always are, right? And, um, you know, maybe if if I were, a, I'm not a GM and I'd probably be a terrible one, but it just... <laughs> 
with my, <laughs> you know, tiny hockey brain, you know, I would think that they'd really need to be thinking like, how, how does Eichel fit into this lineup? Like he's found some chemistry with the Donoff, but who knows what the hell's going to happen there. That was that whole the Donoff thing is really bizarre. So, mm. you know, I, if, 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 if you are going to pick up a piece or two, you know, I, I think should be thinking about like, how do we structure this team so that we can maximize what Eichel can do. But, um, but yeah, really just get cap compliant and get healthy for God's sake. I mean, like w- w- that's going to happen naturally with time off. But, um, you know, I think goaltending maybe is a little bit sort of like a lot of people think Brossois is on his way out probably, especially with as well as Thompson is doing right now. So, yeah, yeah true. um, so maybe, maybe goaltending isn't a question, but, um, health is a concern for Leonard too. He's been hurt a lot this year. So, but I don't really know how you solve that. Right. Like you, you, it may not be a systemic issue. It may just be, we've had some bad luck. I have a question that I've been itching to ask you because you're the, you're the resident Vegas, uh, fan is, do you, is, do you have a limit with stone? And I'm picking on stone because I don't know if you know this. He's actually never played a full season outside of the, uh, the 2020 shortened season. He mm-hmm. has never, he, he has, he's yet to finish a healthy season. And I'm saying this cause I I've had him on my team for years and I'm mm-hmm. so done with him because he continues <laughs> yeah. to produce when he's on, but yeah. then he's gone for the rest of the season. And that's his mm-hmm. MO. That's what that's put been his career. He was like that in Ottawa too. So mm-hmm. do you do you feel that there is a limit with Stone? Are you approaching that, or are you like, no, no, we're better with him? No, I, I that's a valid point because, and honestly, like now he's he's got this ongoing back thing, and that's a problem. Like it's yeah. not his fault. I'm not blaming him for no. having a back mm-hmm. issue, but that's concerning because if any of you have had back things they can flare up that kind of problem can flare up over and over and over again. And he was injured in the playoffs last year. And of course the angry yeah. fan base was like, it's no excuse. Stone disappeared in the semifinal, you know, stone disappeared, stone disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching him and it was so obvious to me that he was playing hurt. I was like, he is something's not right. He's got some sort of core issue or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's, that even affected you know, the, the Knights ability to turn that into a real series, right? Like the Canadians pretty much had control of that series. And, um, stone was, even though he was on the ice, he was not making full contributions by any means. And it's been the same thing this season. So absolutely. I think that's a very valid point. Um, at what point, right. At what point do you say, maybe it's time to, to make a move there because, He's what, how many times has he been out this year? Two or three, two or three extended periods this year where yeah. he's been out and now he's out again. Right. So it's, Played it's concerning games, to me I for think? sure. Yeah. 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 So I've got, I've got the stats here, right? So you for, got for what you're paying games. him. No, just, you're right. Like 28 games, he got 28 points. So obviously a good producer, mm. but he's eating. He's part of that problem that you have right now with the cap and mm. with his salary, you could get two other players that are at least statistically speaking filling the gap mm-hmm. so you, there's nothing to be lost there right and you wouldn't be in the issue that you're in right now so to me and there's value to stone the team will take him you'll you'll, you'll get something reasonable in return for stone mm-hmm. 
it's just it, uh, for me personally, I'd be, I'd be, cause I'm done with him on my team. I'm not protecting him this year. So, <laughs> so if I were Vegas, yeah. I'd be like, you know what stone, this is, we, the writing's on the wall. I mean, you're, you're I, he's like, he's, he's nowhere near the talent of a Peter Forsberg, but it's almost like, geez, you know, could you imagine how great this guy's career could be if he just stay healthy? Like mm-hmm. the numbers he could put up would be, would be phenomenal. And the, and the help that he can put, do for your team. But I don't mm-hmm. think he'll ever get there. Yeah, and he is, you know, like, you know, he's he's a point per game player when he's when he's fit and healthy. I mean, if we go through the years, so this year he's played 28 games as you said, got 28 points exactly. Um he played 55 games last year, 61 points, 65 games the year before. Obviously that wasn't a shortened season. That was uh it was last it was 2021 that was the shortened season. Um from I think from memory I could be could be wrong, but I think that was it. But anyway, but he 65, 63, yeah. so again, point per game. Um, 2018, mm-hmm. 2019, played quite a few games, to be honest, because he, he played 59 for Ottawa at 62 uh, points scored, and then 18 for Vegas, obviously, after the trade deadline. Um, and then before that, 58 games the season, 2017, 2018, 71 games, 2016, 2017. So, and, and this is all bringing back horrible memories for Marty and all these years when he was sat there thinking, why did I keep protecting this guy? Uh, 2015, 2016, <laughs> he played 75 games. So you're right. And the problem you have, though, with Stone, and the reason why I would take the risk is, is he is a leader, and I think there are plenty of other players on the on the Vegas team that you would say are probably also leaders. But I just like Mark Stone is he just feels like and like again I don't know the guy, but he seems like he's a real proper locker room guy. And when he is on LTIR, he isn't costing you anything. Um, but you just want it, to have that talent and not be able to use it must must be a frustration for the for the coaches, you know, time after time. But it's yeah i didn't realize it was that bad i mean jp after looking at those numbers i mean yeah there is an argument to be said that he has never had a healthy season the season's been terrible because he i mean he's like you said he's only he's been available for basically a quarter of the season a little over a quarter of the season (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it is i'm very conflicted because he's single-handed not single-handedly but he was a huge part of getting them out of that out of the second round against the avalanche like mm-hmm. definitely that series was kind of on a dime several times where it could have gone either way. And he, through his own heroics, sort of galvanized the team or came up with a clutch goal. Um, so, right, you you can't understate his value on the ice. But yes, of course, if he's not on the ice, it, it does you absolutely no good. So, uh, yeah, totally valid point, uh, Marty. And, but that's and, that leadership Ian was talking about. Like he yeah. he won you that series, and that's exactly mm-hmm. why you maybe you give him another year, maybe two right. years. But I, I was that's why I'm curious. Like, at what point do you? Because he actually played for um, Team Canada in the World Juniors, and he showed his leadership there too. Mm-hmm. And he is a born leader. He's very good at that. He he's great to have in a locker room, but that will, in my opinion, that only gets you so far. At what point do you realize? Because you know, Ian, you were rhyming off his games played, but going in the opposite direction, right? When he was younger and could be healthier. His he currently he's trending in the wrong direction. Over mm, the yeah. last few years, things have actually progressively gotten worse. And JP, like you said, a back injury. 
that's that's what that's killed bad. Peter Forsberg. That's not what goes away. That that gets worse with age, not better. Um, so it, it's a difficult thing. Anything but a back. If it true. were if it were anything else, I'd say he could he could probably bounce back. But co- like back issues, core issues, like yeah, oh man, of all things, that's one of the worst issues mm-hmm. that he could have because it just for adults you get up you know <laughs> 30 and up <laughs> yeah. you know, talk to anybody who's got back problems and it's not like oh i had back problems at one time no <laughs> they have ongoing back yeah. issues usually so yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure see four men in the prime of their conditions all talking about and nodding about back problems <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's coming from a guy who can feel his bones creaking and yeah. aching. <laughs> oh, so man. we know how you feel mark yeah we do um, <laughs> oh look it's it's been we we've pretty we pretty much kept time as well which is impressive because we were all four of us were saying beforehand that we uh when we start talking about hockey sometimes trying to find the uh Oh, yeah. which is <laughs> it's hard work right <laughs> yeah. so um but we do we've done good we've done good so um a, a couple of things for me to say first and foremost is thank you mike and marty for coming on the podcast we really appreciate you coming on it's been a blast thank you um thanks for having to, us guys yeah well look, we welcome back anytime um and unless obviously the habs and the orders start playing better <laughs> and i'll end up as the only person supporting <laughs> a crap team and then you can both stick to your own podcast um, so, <laughs> but um but no, no, it's, it's been great having you on um and it's a little chaotic trying to get four of us on the go but it's been it's been fun as well um but what i do want to say is just to re uh, reiterate what i said at the beginning which is the name of your your podcast and just make sure i get this right it's two guys a league and some guest podcast and uh and it's on it's on spotify i know that because that's where i get it from but it's also on apple podcasts as well if i'm not mistaken yeah cool. and google podcasts which i don't know if anybody listens to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i know anybody uses google podcasts but it's there and stitcher there. <laughs> and iHeartRadio. like who's 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 going there for podcasts <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but if you are one of those people that are going there and you're listening to our podcast, because you have to be listening to our podcast through one of those routes, That's true. then know that <laughs> you and the other six people that are listening to podcasts by that way, <laughs> you can go across and listen to theirs at the same time, which would be all, all worth it. So, um, and, and obviously, as always, look, thank you to the listeners for listening. Um, we appreciate it. Last week's episode was mental in terms of the listens we saw a real big bump which is fantastic and if some of you have, have stayed listening in terms of you've listened to this one as well then then thank you for that of course um and then just to say because i don't want to forget about this but so and this is all my fault before i dropped jp and it's, it's not his fault but we are there's no episode next week so we've got this episode which is obviously coming out on a tuesday as, as you know because you have downloaded it so the following tuesday there won't be an episode and then the tuesday after that uh, which is is going to be the 19th of April. So that is back to normal, uh, you know, usual back to resume normality in terms of myself and JP. And so as always, guys, stay safe, stay well, and we will see you in a fortnight's time. Bye-bye.